And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and Ada Wong is guest presenter. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're looking back over the two sessions in Beijing following the closing ceremony yesterday of the National People's Congress. In his speech, President Xi Jinping made special mention of Hong Kong, saying the long-term prosperity and stability of the SAR was dependent on and inseparable from the task of building a strong country and the city must integrate into the nation's overall development. Mr Xi also stressed that the country must achieve greater self-reliance in science and technology and further advance the modernization of the military. Meanwhile, the new Premier, Li Chang, said authorities would accelerate the construction of a modern market system through further reform and opening up and would pursue an employment-first strategy. After 9.45, we're going to be looking at the University of Hong Kong's discovery of a genetic mutation affecting the immune system that can cause severe allergies, including eczema. It's hoped that the research may help in the development of new cures and treatments. You can let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 and for our main topic uh, this morning, uh, we welcome uh, Professor Joseph Gregory Mahoney, who's a Professor of Politics and International Relations at East China Normal University in Shanghai, and Professor uh, Cheng Siu Wai, who's a visiting senior lecturer at the School of Communication at the Baptist University here in Hong Kong. And we're hoping to have uh, uh, another guest uh, at some stage uh, this morning. Um, perhaps, uh, uh, Professor Mahoney, first, if we can come to you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, yes, uh, we heard you a, a little earlier on our Hong Kong Today program as well. Uh, so, um, President Xi, uh, he spent about a minute of his 16-minute speech referring to Hong Kong affairs. What sort of uh, message and what kind of a reassurance can we take from uh, the, the central government's uh, support for the SAR? Well, I think this is one of uh, several intentional messages um, that we've seen uh, throughout uh, the two sessions. Uh, uh, signaling uh, to Hong Kong um, that um, uh, that Beijing uh, believes that uh, the the, pre the previous problems have turned a corner, that um, that uh, Beijing has uh, confidence in uh, the Hong Kong leadership and confidence in Hong Kong's future. I think, uh, above all, um, um, uh, Beijing is very much aware um, of the renewed opportunity that uh, Hong Kong. Um, uh, uh, presents in terms of helping China bridge um, between itself, the mainland, and, and uh, uh, the rest of the world. Uh, but also the, the, the idea that um, uh, the, the GBA, the Greater Bay Area, uh, this is something that's close to President Xi's heart. As I said earlier, uh, you know, his father was instrumental in building up Shenzhen. Um, and, uh, you know, it, certainly uh, the Greater Bay Area has gotten uh, a lot of attention over the past 10 years, uh, which has, you know, I think uh, rebalanced uh, the role that Shanghai used to play uh, and that, that Shanghai really uh, began to play under uh, Jiang Zemin's leadership, uh, Jiang really being a champion of Shanghai, which I think came uh, at a lot of uh, Hong Kong's expense. So uh, I think what we're seeing now is a rebalancing and, and a greater integration 
um, between uh, with, with Hong Kong to come with the, with the GBA. Um, and the understanding that that type of growth and opportunity is not only good for, for all of China, including uh, the SAR, but also um, uh, a way to ensure that um, uh, that the people in Hong Kong are happy um, with with their lives and, and, and their future prospects. Right. Um, President Xi also for the first time called for the firm advancement of the one country, two systems governing principle. Um, what, what, what do you think is the um, meaning of firm advancement? It, it was noted that he didn't really say this before. I don't see this to be a, a significant uh, uh, shift. Um, um, you know, again, I think that they, they believe that we have turned the corner um, uh, given the, the previous uh, uh, discontent. And um, um, I think the real conversation at this point and, and, and honestly, the, the, the conversation was always historically not just about Hong Kong and Macau, but, but the implications for Taiwan. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a belief in, in Beijing that, uh, that there was, uh, you know, foreign instigation uh, in Hong Kong in part to, to um, complicate uh, the, the one country, two systems paradigm. Uh, in order to further undermine uh, Taiwan mainland uh, relations. So uh, I think uh, we're, we're moving past that difficult moment with Hong Kong, uh, but we're, we're you know, advancing towards a much more difficult moment uh, vis-a-vis Taiwan, and I think that's where their focus is now shifting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's bring in uh, Professor Cheung. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Professor Cheung Siwai, visiting lecturer at the School of Communication at uh, the Baptist U. Um, so w- what did you make of uh, President Xi's uh, comments yesterday, uh, specifically about uh, Hong Kong and indeed Macau? Uh, first of all, uh, let me uh, make sure. Uh, I'm not a full professor, so don't call me Professor. Oh. Uh, just call me uh, Mr. Zhang will be okay. Oh, okay. Uh, My apologies. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I just, just want to make sure that uh, people don't think uh, I'm uh, exaggerating my position. All right, yeah, sure, okay. sure, sure, <laughs> un- understand. So, so, so this is what it says here on, uh, on my cue sheet, but uh, I'll have yeah. a word with the producer. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, okay. That's right. Uh, what I think is the uh, basic policy of the central government toward Hong Kong has been decided in the last party congress, the 20th party congress last year. So this year uh, is the NPC uh, session, which basically is to implement that policy and uh, specifically on the economic front because this is the biggest challenge for China now with the uh, rising unemployment and the uh, weak exports in many manufacturing sectors. And uh, this is the task that the new premier will have to take. But the Hong Kong issue has always been in the minds of the leaders uh, basically because the uh, Hong Kong uh, Hong Kong's role in the past has been helping China uh, to modernize. The mainland has been using Hong Kong as uh, not only an export uh, transit city, but also as the center for attracting foreign investment. Uh, even today, most of the foreign companies would have a huge contingency in Hong Kong uh, with the financial sector, with the investment sector. Uh, they will go through Hong Kong to invest in mainland China because many people in Hong Kong have been dealing with mainland China ever since 1949 after uh, the uh, PRC was established. So for the uh, last part of the history, 
Hong Kong has played the role. And these days, with uh, mainland China open up one more, uh, especially the transportation side with the ports developing very fast along the coastal lines of China, uh, the importance of Hong Kong appeared to be less as great as it used to be. But the new international paradigm has changed this. The U.S. Uh, restrictions on uh, technology transfer to mainland China uh, has also been uh, some, to some extent uh, implemented to Hong Kong as well. Still, Hong Kong has a much freer area to explore, to help China uh, acquire talent, acquire technology, acquire uh, financial resources. Therefore, China still needs to use Hong Kong. In this sense, I see Hong Kong is more important than the past 10, 20 years after China entered the WTO. Therefore, the Chinese leaders, I believe, are paying more attention to Hong Kong's role. This would give Hong Kong a much freer room to play, and especially in the Greater Bay Area. And also, uh, after the uh, political changes in Hong Kong in the last several years, we could see Hong Kong is stabilized and the economy will pick up uh, as soon as the uh, mainland tourists coming back and also the exchanges between uh, mainland and China uh, and Hong Kong uh, increases. That is a good sign. So for Hong Kong, uh, we could read from the new premier's draft plan for the economy and to see where we can play a better role and to utilize this opportunity to expand the influence of Hong Kong in the mainland. In the uh, 2019 period, there are a lot of rumors and some discussions uh, within the mainland leadership about how Hong Kong should uh, go wrong. Uh, but now we see the, the road is cleared and we can move forward and move even faster. So I positively, I think this is a positive sign and Hong Kong should enjoy it and catch the opportunity. Right, you, you mentioned that uh, Hong Kong will play a more important role in the Greater Bay Area, um, that's for sure. Um, uh, but the president also mentioned Taiwan right after um, he talked about um, uh, the practice of one country, two systems. And um, he said he would realize the reunification of the motherland um, and mentioned Taiwan. So what, what do you think um, could be Hong Kong's role um, in sort of uh, economic trading with um, Taiwan? or exchanges uh, with Taiwan? I think the cultural exchanges between Hong Kong and Taiwan uh, will resume after uh, some period, uh, particularly after the uh, restrictions have been removed for COVID-19. And uh, the political stance between the uh, Hong Kong authorities and the Taiwan authorities uh, have been uh, enlarged by the events happening in the last several years, and uh, there is less um, opportunity for uh, senior level of exchanges. Uh, in the past, there are uh, Taiwanese uh, and Hong Kong officials exchanging visits, and uh, there used to be uh, the uh, functioning and very uh, active offices in both sides. Nowadays, it seems to be uh, much less, and also uh, from the 
very vibrant manufacturing economy, and uh, it's uh, not just the computer chips, but other things. Uh, Hong Kong is more of a financial and uh, uh, trade center, so uh, they are models are different. But China wants Hong Kong to be uh, very strong and uh, vibrant and prosperous in order to show that the one country, two system system can work out. So from this sense, uh, we could see the mainland leadership will support Hong Kong in order to uh, achieve a better economic goal and uh, uh, improve the livelihood of Hong Kong. Uh, people will enjoy much freedom and so on. So mm. I think the Hong Kong leaders need to do this uh, in a much more, more smart way to improve the economy of Hong Kong to show that uh, the one country, two system, system can really work. Otherwise, Hong Kong's importance uh, will be less than uh, desired. Okay. Okay. Well, we have a third guest uh, with us now, uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Cabestan, who's an emeritus professor at the Department of Government and International Studies at uh, also at Hong Kong Baptist University. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, would you go along with that, with uh, what, what Mr. S uh, Mr. Xu was, uh, Mr. Cheung was just saying about um, the uh, expectations of Hong Kong uh, from the central government? Yes, I think uh, they, the more important need uh, uh, in, in mainland China uh, for Hong Kong support in uh, reviving the mainland Chinese economy at this juncture. So uh, I'm not surprised that the uh, incoming Premier, the new Prime Minister Li Chang, uh, insisted on Hong Kong's financial uh, and trading role and also as, as a shipping hub. I think it's an uh, important uh, asset for, for, for mainland China, particularly for the GBA, but also beyond the GBA, because uh, uh, as I just said a moment ago, the Hong Kong economy is much more open in terms of capital flow, in terms of, uh, um, you know, uh, freedom of enterprise and so on. So uh, that's, that's an important uh, dimension. Now, uh, as far as um, uh, Taiwan is concerned, it's, it's maybe a more complicated matter because uh, uh, well, there is one element we have to bear in mind, which is the uh, incoming election next year in January 2024. And uh, so China would like to uh, put pressure on Taiwan to sort of convince the Taiwanese voters to vote for the KMT uh, candidates, if possible. Uh, but uh, so not to put too much pressure on the uh, current administration, the Taiwan government, uh, but at the same time keeping the objective uh, uh, pretty intact as in terms of, uh, you know, uh, one country, the system, and uh, uh, contemplating long-term uh, unification with, with Taiwan. Now, uh, the, the, the question, of course, is whether the one country system model is applicable to Taiwan. And, uh, and here, as we know, the Taiwanese are uh, uh, far from being receptive to this uh, model, and they, they don't think it's uh, something which uh, would uh, apply to their own situation. So, but at the same time, um, uh, yes, uh, Hong Kong-Taiwan relations have revived. I mean, what I can see is uh, growing people-to-people -people relations. Now, on the mainland Chinese side, what I also noticed is there's a willingness to sort of establish some um, relation with the Taiwanese government uh, or the, some of the local authorities in Taiwan. There was a delegation a month ago from the Shanghai 
uh, Taiwan Affairs Office uh, to Taipei uh, meeting with a number of officials in, of course, Taipei City, which is controlled by the KMT, uh, but also they had other meetings. So that's quite interesting to see that the Beijing is also willing to uh, have some kind of uh, channel of communication with Taiwan, but uh, it will remain very low-key and very discreet until the uh, coming election in uh, January next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, just returning to the, uh, to, to the to the GBA for a moment. Uh, we yes. actually have a message here from a from a, a listener. Henry says uh, President Xi's speech is very encompassing, uh, encouraging the nation and pointing to the difficulties and the need for struggle to attain national goals. The strong effort to address a tech strangulation from the collective West is very clear. I think the GBA is going to play a much greater role in the coming years. The infrastructure is being put in place. Also, the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office has been closely watching Hong Kong development and clearly John Lee and his team see mainland direction and pressure for Hong Kong. It is unfortunate that Hong Kong has lost a number of years due to COVID and the riot. Also, the effort uh, put in by the previous administration in integrating with the mainland is relatively poor and Hong Kong has to catch up. Now cities in the GBA are all going at full speed. Foshan, Nansha, etc. are now important centres for manufacturing, etc. Professor Mahoney, um, has Hong Kong fallen behind uh, other cities in the GBA in the last few years? I do agree that that there were serious distractions, both uh, due to the the political unrest and obviously COVID. I mean, there were also distractions on the mainland, although uh, the mainland did continue to make a lot of progress in uh, uh, developing uh, uh, new aspects of its economy. Um, You know, I I was last in the GBA um, uh, last year and uh, had not been in the GBA uh, since before COVID. And I was stunned at, at, the, at the pace of development, Guangzhou, Foshan, all of these areas. Of course, Shenzhen has always been, um, uh, you know, on steroids. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the thing is, this, uh, thinking about it from a Chinese perspective, being behind is not always uh, a disadvantage. And, and above all, um, I think the way that uh, people think about it in Beijing is, okay, um, we went through this difficult period. Um, the situation has now been disciplined in, in Hong Kong. Now it's time to make sure that Hong Kong gets its rewards. Uh, so it's not just the instrumental value of how can we use Hong Kong to help us solve our problems, but how can we also make sure that Hong Kong grows for its own good? Yes, to integrate with uh, uh, the mainland economy. Yes, to be a, a bigger part of the GBA, but also uh, what, what is good for Hong Kong is ultimately good for the nation. So um, I, wouldn't, I, I would say, yes, things have fallen behind, but this also, you know, in, in what we call China time, this presents a, a tremendous opportunity for rapid growth. And I think with the right attention, the right focus of policies from Beijing and the right uh, implementation and focus in Hong Kong, as well as, you know, one of the, the key advantages that Hong Kong has over the mainland, I think, is uh, a much better uh, private sector uh, um, uh, ability, a much better, uh, uh, um, a much greater room for the private sector to, to respond to new opportunities and to grow. And Beijing is very hungry for this right now. Uh, you know, we're going to be going through this uh, difficult year of economic recovery. There's a lot of concern about the extent to which Beijing can stimulate uh, private sector growth. We know that they can, you know, uh, manage the state on enterprises uh, to help uh, achieve uh, employment goals and so forth and so on. But uh, where Hong Kong really has 
uh, the key advantage here is that its private sector, I think, can move very, very uh, aggressively to, to take advantage of these opportunities and to close the gap uh, of having fallen behind over the last few years. So, as you have observed, um, Shenzhen is really developing very rapidly and is the technology leader in the Greater Bay Area. Um, what do you think Hong Kong's role should be? Uh, we are quite far behind as far as tech is concerned. Um, uh, people mention the word bridge, uh, like Starrelly and um, others, and uh, platform, go between. You know, is, is Hong Kong still um, like an intermediary, or you know, could we be better? Um, Professor Mahoney? Well, this is a little outside of my purview, but what I would, what I would say that uh, in, in terms of some consultations that I've had with, with international companies in, in the mainland is that, you know, one of the things that we have seen in China uh, over that, that really accelerated because of COVID, um, and it was already underway, these, these, these transitions were already underway before COVID, but they accelerated during COVID, is the use of uh, platform, cross-platform marketing, uh, fintech, um, um, uh, digital governance, digital banking, all of these things have really matured at speed uh, over the last several years to, to try to uh, compensate for the challenges associated with the dynamic uh, COVID zero policies. And uh, one of the things that we're finding with international companies operating in the mainland is that their, their understanding of uh, this technology and their ability to uh, do simple things like cross-platform marketing is years behind. So a lot of European companies now are, are quite far behind um, uh, the Western model, and they're going to struggle um, to to market their products, to to um, um, go out and really sell. And this is, of course, what they desperately need right now, given the pressure that they're facing in the EU and their desire to to uh, gain more market share. So I think this, if it, you know, I don't know that the state of, of Hong Kong's uh, uh, tech development or the extent to which they've kept pace. But if uh, they have not, if they have, um, you know, more or less been uh, cut off in one form or another, then they're, they're, these are places where they're going to really need to focus uh, in order to catch mm. up. Um, Chang Chi Wai, uh, so, so uh, the new Premier Li Chang uh, said in his news conference yesterday that. Uh, the, uh, the, the mainland had to create a, a modern market system. He talked about further reform and opening up. Um, what do you think is likely to happen there? Uh, the question would be how to uh, raise the confidence level. Mm. This is something I think most important, not only in the mainland, but also in Hong Kong. Uh, most of the people in the last 20 years have seen the growth uh, very rapid. Uh, improvement in people's livelihoods, uh, their income, their uh, education level uh, going up very fast. They have been used to this for quite a long while. These days, people have been turning to more pessimistic things, and they see the huge unemployment, uh, especially in the small towns. Uh, a lot of people who used to work in the uh, Guangdong area, the Greater Bay area, uh, in the manufacturing jobs, have went back home uh, in the COVID period and never come back again. And uh, the import of raw materials and uh, the export of products have been slowed. And China has a huge market and imported a lot of materials, and that affects the world. These days, the world economy is not so uh, bright. Therefore, China has 
more difficulty in exporting uh, its products. And there are many mainland reports in the uh, mainland social media as well as the official media that uh, leaders in the coastal provinces have sent delegations out to uh, get more contracts, um, more orders. And this shows the kind of sentiment people are desperate to get more uh, export orders because this was the main backbone of their economy. But since China is turning into itself, try to do the so-called two circulation, and uh, one is outside, one is within China, uh, there should be more emphasis on uh, consumer spending. But consumer spending is based on the increase of household income. Well, the um, jobs are not secure, and more people are trying to pay back their mortgages and the car price are dropping. This all shows the, uh, the, the all shows the, the, the signs of uh, a weak economy. So the 5% of uh, GDP growth will be a very difficult target to reach. Yeah, In this sense, mm-hmm. people need to be uh, boosted with uh, a higher uh, spirit for uh, spending their money and seeing that uh, in the future their life would be better. So this would be the main task. And okay. uh, the new premier uh, gave the impression yesterday at the press conference, uh, a very uh, understanding man who uh, has, we might say, a kind of uh, street smart on the good sense, uh, in a good sense that he understands how people feel and he used the word and the phrases that uh, are close to the grassroots people uh, and people uh, think that he understands uh, if I may uh, I can borrow the the phrase from uh, Bill Clinton I feel your pain Uh, and he understands how people are frustrated with the uh, uh, COVID restrictions and uh, with the travel restrictions nowadays we open it up we will try to help you uh, tell me what you want. I will try to do what I can. So this kind of attitude should be translated into specific actions at all levels. Okay. And, okay. Uh, so, 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 sorry, Mr. Chen, just hold that thought because we've got to take a short break uh, for the news summary. We'll be back uh, in a couple of minutes uh, after the news and a couple of announcements. Uh, stay with us. Quick look at the weather. It's 19 degrees at the moment. Humidity 73%. <laughs> Now the new summary with uh, Andrew Shirovsky. The leaders of the United States, Britain and Australia have given details of a defense pact that will provide Australia with nuclear-powered attack submarines. President Biden said the AUKUS pact would boost security and stability in the Asia-Pacific region. A professor in politics and international relations in Shanghai says it shows the U.S. wants to keep up what he called its Cold War mentality against China. Iran says more than 22,000 people arrested during anti-government protests have been pardoned. The head of Iran's judiciary said some had been convicted of crimes while others were awaiting sentencing. And two Italian government ministers have said they believe a big rise in the number of migrants trying to cross the Mediterranean is partly due to Russian mercenaries operating in some African countries. More than 20,000 migrants have reached Italy by sea since the new year. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. 
the Education Bureau Study Subsidy Scheme for Designated Professions or Sectors will subsidize students admitted to designated self-financing programs. Starting from the 2023-24 academic year, the scheme is expanded to cover top-up degree programs for the first time, in addition to first-year first-degree programs and sub-degree programs. For more details, please search online for SSSDP and visit the designated website. Starting from December 31st, 2022, the minimum charge for each plastic shopping bag is adjusted from 50 cents to $1. And there are no more free bags for frozen and chilled food items. Free plastic bags can only be provided for unpackaged or not wholly packaged food items. And food and beverage takeaway and non-airtight packaging. Try using only one bag in each transaction. Dump less, save more. And welcome back to Back Chat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning, uh, we're looking back over the uh, two sessions gathering uh, in Beijing uh, following the closing yesterday of the National People's Congress. Uh, we have uh, with us on the line Professor Joseph Gregory Mahoney, Professor of Politics and International Relations at East China Normal University in Shanghai. Also, uh, Jean-Pierre Cabestan, uh, Emeritus Professor, Department of Government and International Studies at Hong Kong Baptist University. And Chang Siu Wai, who's a visitor senior lecturer in the School of Communication, also at the Baptist U. Um, just before we broke uh, for, for the news, uh, uh, Mr Chung was talking about the, uh, the new Premier, Li Chang, urging officials to get out of the office and go around the country and, uh, and see things for themselves and visit the grassroots. Uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Capistan, can we expect a, a new style of government now going forward? Yeah, it's certainly a new style. I mean, you have new people. Uh, Li Qiang is one. Uh, Ding Xueqiang, number two in the government, is an important figure because he's going to have some, uh, uh, I mean, some role in Hong Kong uh, relation with the central government. Um, but uh, I think there are two types of tensions uh, which the uh, new leadership will have to manage. Uh, one is um, between this uh, need to invite, uh, well, uh, find direct investments uh, and also to support the uh, private sector in the Chinese economy. And on the, on the other hand, um, the emphasis uh, um, on, the, on, the, on the Communist Party leadership and the fact that the party needs to have branches in every uh, private uh, firm now in China. And, and here there's a tension which will be very hard to sort of manage in the coming years. So we'll see how it goes. The second type of tension I think you alluded to earlier is the uh, growing uh, tensions with the, uh, well, the growing rivalry with the United States and the fact that the United States, but also to some degree the European Union and other countries like Japan are going to more uh, tightly control the export of technologies and, and high technologies to China, not only the semiconductor industry, but in other sectors of the of the economy. So, and here it will be another type of tension which will uh, hard for the government to, to manage uh, in the the current sort of uh, uh, international context is not favorable for to recovery of the of the economy. So, so the, the, it comes back to the idea that uh, consumption it will be very important. Uh, but at the same time, as uh, Dr. Zhang just said, uh, people are not sort of uh, ready to consume more in China. They need to uh, pay back a number of debts, but also to save money for their old age and uh, other needs. So um, 
and the government is not ready to issue you know more money and liquidities to to help uh, people consuming more uh, as, as in Hong Kong for instance in the last few years so uh, it, 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 we'll see how, how it goes but uh, the, 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 the it's true that this new leadership uh, as, I mean, so far has been very willing to to reach out um, both the the private sectors and the um, uh, and foreign entrepreneurs and invite the foreign firms to come back to China and now that China is back to normal and invest and, and do business with China. So do, do you expect Hong Kong's business community to respond um, positively? Um, we, we did notice that, um, for example, in land auction recently, you know, the prices fetched were far below expectation and it seems that um, the, then, you know, business community was a little bit hesitant. Yes, I think the mood is not yet... Uh, uh, for, for investing, uh, and uh, I think there is kind of wait and see attitude among among uh, uh, Hong Kong entrepreneurs and, and investors, um, looking at you know the uh, um, economic environment in China, whether you know uh, um, it, uh, there will be a clear uh, improvement of the economic situation and the and the job market in China. So. Uh, Yes, and and, and so another expectation is to you know to see the Chinese tourists coming back to Hong Kong. It has started, but it's far from the level uh, which knew which we knew before before COVID in 2019. So so it's, it's far away from back to full a normal situation in Hong Kong as well. Mm-hmm. Can I jump in? Yeah, uh, yes, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to add a few words about the uh, professor just said about the, the new leadership style. Uh, we notice, you see, the, uh, from the biography, you could see the new premier, Li Qiang, who used to work in a very low grassroots level, but also uh, one particular job he held, the director of the relief of the government. So that division is mainly for dispensing money to uh, individuals who uh, in dire need. Therefore, he knew already how difficult the uh, poor people or the, the grassroots level people would feel if the economy is bad. And this gave him some sense of the real situation. And also, he used was the, uh, at the uh, last part of the COVID, he was the uh, party secretary in Shanghai. And he knew what happened last year with the uh, two months uh, to- total lockdown, and he saw how the uh, most vibrant city has been locked down and what consequences be. So therefore, with all this knowledge, I think he would be much more cautious in taking any kind of action that could uh, crack the economy or make the economy going down. Therefore, we could be more optimistic on this side. And also, he knew how people, especially young people in Shanghai, have left Shanghai. And uh, uh, the general picture is young people wanted to go out, to uh, emigrate to other countries. And uh, they use the word run, uh, which means run in English. So that is the mentality the young people have. He knew this, and uh, we can bet he will do something to stop this and prevent this. Mm. 
Okay. Okay. Let's just uh, turn our attention uh, back to international uh, relations uh, uh, for a moment. We're, we're coming towards uh, uh, the end of this uh, uh, main topic uh, this morning. But uh, um, uh, Professor Mahoney, do you think um, um, China is now looking at um, a new role for itself on the international stage? I mean, we, we've just had this uh, uh, the, the the deal, the, the restoration of diplomatic relations between uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran, for instance. Um, can we expect to see, uh, you know, uh, more? More events like that? Absolutely. Mm. You know, this is uh, this is really sort of a threshold moment. Uh, uh, China has been um, sort of reorganizing and rethinking its uh, diplomacy over the last several years. There's a lot of theory work going on seven or eight years ago, and all this now has matured, um, and it has a very clear idea how how it's going to move forward. It's got this rubric called major country diplomacy. We see things like uh, the Global Development Initiative, of course, uh, the BRI, uh, but but uh, more recently, and I think much more importantly, the Global Security Initiative. We saw the white paper come out on this a few weeks ago, and then a couple of days later, the proposal for uh, uh, a diplomatic solution to the crisis in Ukraine, and then uh, but the first fruits, of course, being this incredible uh, mediation between uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and um, uh, Iran to resume uh, diplomatic relations uh, and without any engagement from the United States. I think this is uh, um, uh, keeping um, uh, clear uh, President Xi's uh, uh, promise over the last several years that, that China would become a, a world peace leader and that these efforts would start in Asia but, but go far beyond. Uh, and I think that this is going to be a fundamental game changer. I think that uh, um, uh, we should anticipate um, much bigger announcements. Uh, they, they may or may not be able to successfully negotiate something with Ukraine. I think they can. Uh, I'm optimistic there. Uh, but um, I would be looking towards um, uh, resolving uh, conflicts with India uh, as well as uh, other countries. And this will put uh, a lot of pressure on the U.S. and uh, the Indo-Pacific uh, concept uh, to rethink and to, um, uh, to, you know, to, to stop this uh, narrative that China is a threat, um, but rather uh, that China is helping the region uh, actually stabilize and, and uh, uh, cultivate peace and development. Mm, okay. Well, well, thanks very much for your uh, contribution uh, on this morning's uh, program. That was uh, Professor Joseph Gregory Mahoney, who's Professor of Politics and International Relations at East China Normal University. Uh, thank you for that. Um, um, I hope um, uh, Professor Kabistan and uh, Mr. Chung, are you still with us? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Perhaps, uh, perhaps uh, Jean-Pierre Capistan. What, what's your, your view about what we were just uh, discussing? Yes, I think it's a um, success uh, for Chinese foreign policy and diplomacy uh, to have managed that deal, to have uh, um, uh, facilitated that deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. The big question is, uh, and only China could do that because of the uh, you know state of relationship between the U.S. or even the EU and, and, and Iran. Uh, it was uh, not possible for other players to play that role. Uh, the, there are two questions, of course, and big question mark. One is um, related to uh, some of the conflicts in the region, like particularly the war in Yemen, and whether it is going to help the, the players, Saudi Arabia and Iran, to reach a deal about the situation in Yemen, which is in a state of civil war for many, many years. And the second big question, of course, is, has to do with the, um, the, the war in Ukraine and the, and the aggression of Ukraine by the Russians' uh, uh, troops and the uh, and Putin's um, uh, army, and Putin being a close ally of, of, of uh, part of China, is uh, 
uh, that puts China in a difficult situation to really reach uh, and play a, me- a mediator role in the in this war. So I don't I don't see China really, uh, in spite of the despite the, the the peace proposal made by China recently, uh, I don't see China playing. Uh, a fruitful role in the end of this <coughs> conflict, uh, but um, uh, so and and more broadly, uh, I think that the, the tensions I mentioned earlier between uh, the West and China are, are going to be uh, to continue. Now, I don't think we're going to lead. Uh, we're going to witness a decoupling of um, both uh, sets of economies, but uh, I think there will be, uh, 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 I think, a reduction of. Uh, uh, the number of countries dependent upon China it has started with COVID, uh, but uh, I think uh, both the EU and, 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 and the US will are willing to reduce the dependence upon China, so that uh, the number of uh, high tech sectors. So, uh, so that's going to, to, you know, to be part of the larger picture uh, of uh, in the coming in the coming months and years, uh, which is going also to have an impact on China's. Uh, Foreign policy and China's role in in world affairs. Uh, uh, more broadly, I think China is going to play uh, the South against the North uh, and, and and reach out uh, in the global South in order to sort of weaken the North in this uh, new uh, well, so so bipolar uh, rivalry between the United States and China. And how do you see the relationship between China and the rest of Asia? Uh, for example, I think Vietnam is um, is now becoming bigger in manufacturing and. I understand Foxconn might be opening up factories there, and um, you know uh, later on um, iPads might be manufactured there. Would that um, hurt relationships? Um? Well, I think ASEAN and other countries in Asia, you know, are playing this balancing uh, role between China and the U.S. Uh, on the one hand, they are very dependent on Chinese economy; they, they're not going to uh, that's not going to change. Uh, even even India, you know, has, uh, has a major uh, rela- trade relation with China and a trade deficit with China, actually. But um, say we'll, we'll see more more industries moving to Southeast Asia, Western industries moving to Southeast or Taiwanese industries, Southeast Asia and South Asia like Bangladesh. But, but at the same time, uh, I think uh, and these countries will try to keep you know good relations with the United States. With this, uh, with the Philippines, we see that. With uh, also uh, Indonesia and other countries, but uh, but without without uh, uh, without uh, you know uh, meeting, uh, weakening their close relationship with, with uh, in particular political and economic relationship with China, which is the other big player in the region. So they they're going to continue to sort of uh, try to hedge against China to some degree, but at the same time to to work with China on many issues. Uh, of course, the South China Sea issue is there to complicate the picture, and uh, which uh, well is also a factor for the for you know for the U.S. and the U.S. allies to stay in the region. I mean, in the context of the you know the uh, recent announcement of the AUKUS, uh, you know, uh, contract for the submarines. submarines uh, sorry, yeah, sorry. it's quite interesting to see uh, a new you know in terms of military balance, a new balance uh, of power emerging in the region in order to sort of. Uh, Balance China's growing, growing military power and naval power, in particular, in, in, which has emerged in the last uh, ten or fifteen years. Okay, all right. Well, thanks very much for taking part uh, in the program uh, this morning. That was uh, Professor Jean-Pierre Cabestan, uh, emeritus professor at the Department of Government and International Studies at the Baptist University. And thanks also to uh, Cheng Su Wai, who's a visiting senior lecturer at the School of Communication, also at the Baptist U. And a little earlier, we heard from. Uh,
Professor Joseph Gregory Mahoney uh, from East China Normal University in Shanghai. And in just a moment, we'll be turning our attention to our second topic of the morning. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. Ninety-five years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the ninety-fifth anniversary of RTHK, and many wishes. For its future success. Ninety-five years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And now, uh, University of Hong Kong uh, researchers working uh, along with uh, an international uh, research team, more than 90 investigators altogether, they've uh, identified a novel genetic disease that can cause uh, severe allergies, including eczema. You may have uh, read about this uh, in the uh, newspapers. Um, uh, to talk more about it, we're, we're joined on the line by a Dr. Heme Su da Rosa Duque, who's a clinical assistant professor at the Department of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine at uh, the University of Hong Kong. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Good morning. Uh, so um, this is uh, pretty uh, interesting results that uh, you've come up with. So identifying a genetic cause of severe eczema, because of course uh, uh, the point is made that that can then help, hopefully, to lead to new forms of treatment and cure, perhaps. Yeah, that's correct. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, this is a study that um, uh, was performed in severe eczema or atopic dermatitis, and. Um, not all um, eczema or atopic dermatitis are the same, but we found that at least a, a type of um, this, you know, eczema is associated with a genetic disorder. And we, when we tried um, to give a new treatment, it seems to um, significantly help um, a patient. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Rosa Duke, because uh, eczema is it, it's, it affects a, a, up to about twenty percent of children worldwide, doesn't it? Uh, um, and that is a very high proportion high proportion but it's i mean it also exists in in much sort of lesser forms as well doesn't it yeah so um there, the, the eczema or atopic dermatitis is an allergic condition of the skin it's very dry it's very itchy it can get in there's there can be skin infections and many people um, have this um, as you mentioned 20 percent of people um, it ranges from very mild, you know, just a little bit of itchiness on a part of the body. Um, most people have it, you know, for example, on the elbow or arm. Um, but some people have it all over the body, and it's, it's very severe, it's very itchy, it's very debilitating. Um, so this 20% really encompasses um, a whole range of from mild to moderate to severe. Yeah, and, and, and many people can, can have a whole range of this, yeah. So, so before your discovery, um, normally, as I understand, you know, when little kids have this um, disease, they, you know, there is not much you can do about it, and sometimes you have to, um, you know, use some um, steroid or look-alike drugs. Or yeah, so for many years, um, doctors have tried using different type of uh, medicines. Um, for example, um, anti-itchy medicines, antihistamines, um, um, medicines like that because it's just easier to take a pill and then uh, feel better. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately for eczema, 
it doesn't. None of the oral medi medicines have worked for long, long time for many decades, and so the only thing that um, for decades have been found to work is using um, you know creams, um, Vaseline, um, or uh, topical uh, steroids, um, and and applying this to the skin would cause many um, people to feel that the skin is very greasy and uncomfortable, but that's been the only effective treatment for many years. Yeah, that's correct. And so w what is the big hope now? Um, there's talk about uh, uh, a special type of medication that, uh, that targets the cause of this? Yeah, um, and so um, this, is, this is a study that we did, and in um, some severe allergic conditions such as um, eczema or um, allergic asthma, uh, we found um, across the world there's, there are a few um, patients who have this what's called STAT6 uh, genetic mutation. And it, this STAT6 um, is very, very active. Um, if someone has this um, genetic mutation, um, this STAT6 is very active in their immune cells. Um, and what happens is they have an overactive immune system and um, their, their skin um, gets uh, uh, develops allergy. And so um, we tried a medicine that has been developed just about um, eight years ago and to block this type of activity in the cells, and it worked really well for one patient. Yeah. And, and this medicine is called Utilimab. Yeah. And, and you've um, you know, done the um, trial, the clinical trial on just several people. So how far are we from, um, from really you know, getting the drug... Um, Probably, you know, or commercially, or or it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So um, the the clinical trial for Dupilumab was done was performed um, already a long time ago, not by our group, by but um, by the, the the drug company um, on uh, uh, patients with uh, it's just eczema. And um, however, uh, in this study, we specifically. Uh, used it for uh, patients with this STAT6 mutation. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not just our group. I really want to thank um, other foundations and society, people like you who have funded us, um, such as Society for Relief of Disabled Children and Love Can Help. These programs um, allowed us to use this drug on the specific STAT6, and it really, really helped them. And um, so... This really shows that there's effective medicines, not just applying creams, because this patient tried applying, you know, topical steroids and it didn't work and really needed to use this injection. And so um, in the future, we're hoping to um, also uh, see if many um, patients with severe uh, eczema um, also have this mutation. So we're starting a study now to do that and to try to see whether there are other effective medications that can that can help as well. So Dupilumab is one of them. But there are other um, oral medicines that have come out recently in the past couple of years, uh, for example, called JAK inhibitors. And this is an oral medicine that someone can take. And um, we're, we're going to start studying this in um, STAT6 and eczema uh, patients in the upcoming years. Yeah. Uh, and this uh, all begins uh, it's, a, it's a problem with the immune system is it like, like individual people's immune system that, like working overtime or something yeah so um, for eczema the, we, um, 
the, the background um, information in the past is that there is some um, kind of disease or mutation in the skin that uh, causes it to be very dry and itchy, and when you scratch it, there's immune uh, response and inflammation in that area. Um, um, so different people can have different causes. In this set, subset of patients who have STAT-6, what happens is that their immune system has have an overactive um, immune um, kind of response or status, and then it goes into the skin or into the airway and causes a lot of inflammation and itchiness um, and, and, and redness, and so that's the, the cause of the problem, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there any other conditions that, uh, that can result from this? Yeah, we're going to study this um, further, but all types of allergic conditions um, is probably associated with this. So, for example, um, uh, with our patient in Hong Kong, our experience is that he does have severe eczema, but he also has food allergies. Um, he has allergic rhinitis. Um, there are patients, um, uh, for example, in, in our study uh, with the Vietnam group, um, this, um, she had severe allergic asthma. So all of these conditions is probably associated with this fat sick, uh, but we will definitely do more research to figure this out. Yeah. So how far are we to ask the hospital authority to um, use uh, your research and this new drug uh, on, the, on these patients? Yeah, so um, the Hong, um, I feel that the Hong Kong government and the hospital authority have already done a very good job uh, because in this dupilumab is already funded um, for, uh, it's called Samaritan Fund. And mm. this provides um, this dupilumab medication uh, for those with uh, debilitating severe eczema. Um, so we will definitely work with um, them further to see if um, patients with that six um, can be funded for this as well. Um, and also, um, as I mentioned, the newer type of medications, the oral medications, for example, the JAK inhibitors, uh, whether um, uh, the hospital authority or the Samaritan Fund can um, add that into the, 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 the funding as well uh, to help these patients. Yeah, so, so they have already done a very tremendous job helping many patients in Hong Kong, and we will continue to work with them to provide as, as, many, as, as much support and treatment as possible. So as well as people suffering from severe eczema, there could be hope for uh, you know, people with more like, like common allergies. So a lot of people are allergic to, to pollen and things like that and house dust and what have you and have a pretty bad reaction to it. Yeah, um, correct. So um, eczema is one of the allergic conditions and it's called you know, atopic or allergic dermatitis. But the other allergies, um, as you mentioned, allergic airway. So asthma is one of them. So we're... we're you know, the, the patient in this study um, in, in Vietnam has this, and we're going to study more patients with allergic airway. Um, okay. That includes asthma, but also um, nasal allergies, as you mentioned, too, allergic rhinitis, Great. Uh, uh, you know, dust mite, pollen allergy, okay. things like that. Okay. We're, we're going to study this some more, yeah. Thanks very much for talking to us on the program this morning. That was uh, Dr. Heime Su uh, De Rosa Duke from uh, the University of Hong Kong. Yeah, thank you very much.